Uh, so like I've been saying, I just want to recap, though, or re- reiterate that this book, uh, Anxious for Nothing, uh, by Max Lucado, is a book that I uh, have been reading, and uh, I've read twice now, and this is the book that we're kind of basing this series off of, as well as the good old-fashioned B-I-B-L-E, okay? And so uh, I just want to say that, that most of what I'm saying, 80 to 90% of what I'm going to say tonight is either from one of those two books. And so I just want to clarify that because they teach you in school not to plagiarize, right? So that's what I'm doing. I'm putting that out in front, all right? I'm not stealing anything. I'm just using it as a resource. It's amazing, okay? So tonight, if you're taking notes, which I always say you should, uh, just because um, who was it? Danielle, who was saying that they read back in notes? Aaron. Aaron Aaron was texting Danielle or somebody or talking to you or someone something like that. Oh, in a conversation last week. And uh and she was saying, oh, I read back through some notes that of a message that Brett preached a while back and it just really blessed me. And and that that blessed my heart. And Aaron, you're awesome. And Aaron's on the worship team now. Let's go. Uh but that's the purpose for taking notes. Sometimes when I'm in my study time and I'm uh reading through the Bible, and I just can't think, and I'm just like, oh, man, I'll just open up my old notebook from, like, 2014 and just read some camp message, and just, it'll just ignite something in me. I'm like, oh, that was lit. That was crazy. I just broke up with the girl at that point, and no, I'm just kidding. Uh, 2014 would have been, were we dating in 2014? Something like that. Okay. Anyways. Yeah, we were. Yeah, no breakups. Just just the start of something new. It's the start. Okay, all right, enough. It was about to get wild right there. <laughs> okay, um, sick. Okay, so if you're taking notes, uh, tonight's message. See, I already killed three minutes just doing that. Okay, so tonight's message is going to be entitled, Rejoice in the Lord Always. And that's the title of the chapter of the book that we're taking the inspiration from. And it's the first line of Philippians 4.4. And we're excited to jump into this. Uh, I always start with a quote from the book that I think could set us on the right track. And so the quote from Max Lucado today is, God uses everything, everybody say everything, I'll say it louder. Okay. God uses everything to accomplish his will. God uses everything to accomplish his will. Um, Who's ever been, like, scared out of your mind before? Like, just really scared. And not like scary movie scared, like scared like something, like life or death experience or something was really spooky and, and you were, you, you, just, you just thought it was all, it was it. You just thought, man, that's, it, it's gone. There was a period, there was like a short period of time when Danielle was pregnant, like towards the end, that every time I got on a plane, I would get like sweaty and like anxious and I, I was freaking out. Like I would literally freak out and I'm like hyperventilating. And I'm not, you, if you know me, I'm usually not the type of person to do that. But for some reason, the thought of not making it home to my pregnant wife freaked me out. But this one time, uh, this was one of the, one of the, probably one of the scariest things I've encountered. I'm going to share it with you. Is that cool? So I get home from school. 
I'm in my 2006 Ford Ranger, also known as a Danger Ranger, baby. And uh, so I'm driving home my 2006 Danger Ranger. It's a three-seater, two and a half, really. And uh, just, you know, cruising for a bruising down the street. I get home. And uh, so I get home. I pull in the driveway, and I get upstairs, and my phone rings. It's my sister. And uh, you ever, you ever like, get, you ever get a call from someone or someone says something to you, and they're usually a prankster, but you know they're not joking? You ever, you, you're like, oh, like, you know for sure they're not joking. So my sister called me, and she said, she said, the first thing she said was, Brett, I need you. That's all she said. And I said, and I knew, like, this wasn't like a, eh, I'm scared. Like, it was like, like she was, it, it was, it was like she was taking charge in a situation she didn't have any control over. It was wild. She's like, Brett, I need you. And I was like, where are you at? And then she, and then she started crying. And I was like, oh, snap. I was like, Brittany, where are you? And then she was like, um, I, I don't really know. We're hiding in some bushes. And all I see is this grass field in front of us. And, and we're kind of in the neighborhood. Um, so then I was like, well, what, what, what's going on? What's going on? She goes, there, there, she goes, there's guys chasing us. I said, okay. Uh, and it wasn't like, I'm, I, at that point I wasn't pronging any longer. I knew that I needed to get to her somewhere. It wasn't like, oh, come on, Brittany. Like I've, and I've done that where it's like, oh, come on. Like you're getting chased, Ooh, whatever. All right. No, this time I heard it in her voice that she was scared for her life. So I, so I said, I, when I said, where are you, she said, a, a grass field in the neighborhood hiding in some bushes. So I knew of, by our house, I said, are you close to the house? She's like, I think so. So I knew of two places relatively close to our house that had a grass field, bushes, in the neighborhood. And both places had both, <laughs> all those things. So I had to make a decision. I was like, I, I'm, I was like, I, I got to just choose one. If she's really in trouble, if I choose the wrong one, this is <laughs> going to turn out good. So I choose the one I think it is. I pull down the street. And when I pull down, I, I come out the neighborhood. You know, my Danger Ranger. You know, that's what it sounds like. The thing is twin turbo and everything. No, I'm just kidding. But I, so I come out, and I'm coming down the street. And I see two dudes on, on bikes, like BMX bikes. But these aren't kids. These are like 35-year-old men. And I see them on the corner looking like this. I was like, yo, I think this is the street because this is where I was going. So I turned down. I turned down the street and I, and then I, uh, and I'm just hauling down the street. And then I see my sister's head just go out of these bushes. And so I slam on the brakes and I throw it in the park. And, uh, and then Brittany's friend is like, has lost it. Like I, like she's just like freaking out. So I so I, I pick I pick her up, I put her in the car, and then I said, Brittany, get in the car, and I throw the bikes in the back, and Brittany starts screaming, and I'm like, what are you screaming at? I turn around and those two dudes that were on the corner are hauling at my truck, just on their bikes, coming at me. Two and I'm at the time, you know, this point in time of my life, bring it on. But at that point, I was like 16, maybe yeah, 16 years old, like a 150 pounds, soaking wet. I wasn't taking on two grown men by myself. There's no way. I, I mean, I would have gave it everything I got because it's my sister. But uh, so these dudes are coming, and I'm putting the, these bikes in the back of my truck. And so I, I, I my, my, uh, my Danger Ranger uh, had like the old school, um, 
little uh, the lock would like pop up like this. So you and put it down like this. So Brittany's in the car. I push the thing down. I slam the door, and uh, I told her I was like, if if it's if I'm with if I get into something with these guys, I was like, you got to figure out how to drive. Just get out of here. And she's like, she's like 14. Yes, Brett. You know, it's like okay. So these dudes are coming, and and like and and at this point, it's not funny anymore. And I I knew it wasn't like it wasn't funny, but these dudes were like. I, there was something, you know when you ever seen someone and there's just like evil all over their face? It was just that. It was creepy. It was wild. And these dudes are coming on their bikes down towards my truck. So I slammed the door. And then they're probably like 50 feet out from me, from like here to the back of the room. And, uh, and so I'm like, okay, I've got to make a decision now. Do I think I can make it in my truck and drive away by the time they get here? Or do I got to... You know, I got to make some noise so Brittany can get away. And so I was like, I think I can make it because <laughs> it's two guys. So, uh, so I was like, so I came around, I came around, sl- get in the car uh, and uh, slam the door shut, throw it in a drive. And as I'm peeling out, this dude on his bike like jumps from his bike to try and grab onto my truck, the, like the tailgate of my truck. And I, and I pull off and he misses and he face plants, <laughs> loser. And, uh. So then I'm driving around. I was like, well, we're not going home for a while. Like, that guy's going to follow us. So I drive through a neighborhood, another neighborhood, head the opposite direction where our house is so that he'd see that I drove that way. And then I flipped the biggest U.E. like around the, this whole, uh, so he couldn't see us come back. And I come in the back way, get in the house, and I pull in the garage, close the garage. Then we get in the house. And then we, like, kind of didn't realize what had just happened. Like, we were just sitting there. My adrenaline's pumping. And my heart like this, and we're just sitting there like, oh. And Brittany's friend is still freaking out, and I was like, yo, calm down. Like we're in the house, and Brittany's just sitting there like in shock. And we like looked at each other, didn't say anything, and we were just like, and I like walked upstairs. And then when I got upstairs, I like the adrenaline like came off, and I just broke down crying, just wept because I realized that I probably just saved my sister and her friend from being kidnapped and who knows what else and so I'm sitting there like oh my goodness and the and if it, you've ever had like a huge adrenaline rush when it comes off you like are just super emotional so <laughs> I'm sitting there just like oh my goodness but it was one of the scariest moments of my life thank god it, it turned out good right and I uh Two things didn't happen. One, my sister didn't get kidnapped, and I didn't get beat up by two 35-year-old dudes. So everything was cool, and we never saw from them again. But I thought to myself, because it was like fight or flight. You got to move. You got to move. And I moved fast. And I, those bikes, I, like, threw those like they were Legos, you know. And I was like, so in my mind, I was like, man, thank God for adrenaline. You guys ever felt like a, an intense adrenaline rush? You feel like you could run faster than any, anybody in the world. You could jump higher. You feel like you should be wearing some PF flyers. and Most of you don't get that, but it's okay. Um, but I felt that way that day. I felt like, and I, you know, I'm six, I was 16, 150 pounds. I felt if those two dudes wanted it, they were going to get all of it. And I was like, and I'm winning this fight, you know. My adrenaline's pumping. But in this book, Anxious for Nothing, uh, Max Lucado talks about, our amygdala. You guys know what amygdala is? Do you know what amygdala is? Don't get it wrong. 
Yeah, so it's your like adrenaline glands, basically. Uh, so there are these two almond-shaped neuroclusters uh, in our brain that are kind of right here. And uh, they act as a security system for our body. And so when, when you get into a situation like this where you get a call from your sister and you know it's bad, you roll up, it's bad. It's real bad. It's really bad. <laughs> we might die, you know. Then your amygdala just is like, I got this, fam. Superpowers. And you're like, ah, you know. I wish I could tell you that I, like, grabbed both of them and threw them over the fence or something. But it didn't ha- I didn't have to, you know. God was on our side. But, um, but if you ever notice when imminent danger happens, you don't take a lot of time to think about it. You just react. Sometimes we act, react in the wrong way. Sometimes we react in the right way. And that's kind of what the amygdala does. It just sends your brain into a reaction. It's like if I were to throw something at Ben right now, he would go like this. And he wouldn't, stick, he wouldn't take a moment to think, there's a projectile flying at my face. Is it flying to the right or the left? Should I, maybe I should move my head slightly at a 45 degree, he doesn't, you know what I mean? He doesn't think through that. It's just a reaction. Just whoop, boom. For those of us that aren't super hand-eye coordinated, it hit us straight in the face. Uh, But we, oh, no, you know, there's a quick reaction. Anxiety that is perpetual or perpetual anxiety, meaning that you're anxious a lot, means that you have an overactive amygdala. We're getting scientific in here, but this is good. So perpetual anxiety means that your, your amygdala has a, quick tr- trigger finger. <laughs> and so the door starts to creak open in your room and boom, adrenaline phew, everywhere. Right? Or you hear something outside. What was that? You know. Or you get a text message from someone that you don't know if you're cool or not. And you get all. Or like me on the plane. You know how many times I've been on a plane? How many, planes, they say planes are like more safe than cars. I don't believe it, but it's probably true. And I'm in the plane with like just sweating, oh, God. you know, I'm thinking I'm going to die. My amygdala was acting funky that day. But it isn't good for us to always be on high alert or think that we're in imminent danger. You guys know this. If you think that you're in imminent danger, if you're anxious all the time, it's just not healthy. And we see the breakdown in our body, and there's certain ailments that happen because you're overly stressed. You guys have heard of those and seen those? And people who are overly stressed, you start to see different things happen. So it's not good for us. God created our bodies with natural leveling systems. So we get dopamine rushes or serotonin rushes to kind of level out whatever just happened. Our amygdala goes crazy. Our adrenaline pumps. And then we're down off of it. And then you get this rush of dopamine or serotonin. And like me... You start crying like a baby. Whatever it is. You just get this rush of emotion or rush of some other chemical in your body to even things out. God's design's pretty cool how that works. It's like it's like it's like a mad scientist chemistry lab in your body. It's like, okay, we'll give a little bit of superpowers here. And then, oh, whoa, that backfired. Okay, a little bit of dopamine here, a little bit of, you know what I mean? But this helps us restore. The, the dopamine and serotonin or whatever else is happening in our body to level us out, that helps us restore our sense of calm or joy or peace. And so the, 
the adrenaline rush is supposed to eventually end. And then you get your leveling chemicals that happen in your body, and then you're good. But if the amygdala are firing at all times, it blocks the ability of our body to level us out. So then we're perpetually anxious. If everything that happens, you're constantly freaking out, you never get the opportunity for your bottle body bottle for your body to level you out so then that's why we're stuck in this cycle of anxiety because scientifically uh, or body biologically chemistry whatever in our in our body is going wild because of because our adrenaline is just pumping all the time does that make sense a little science lesson for you but max lucato in this book suggests that god can help us and i agree so all that sounds crazy. You're like, okay, overactive amygdala, adrenaline is pumping, serotonin, dopamine. That's dope. I mean, uh, I don't know. Um, Sarah told me the dope was mean. Uh, hey, let's go. Uh, um, <laughs> that was so stupid. Um, but you think like, oh, how, well, how am I supposed to fix that? You know, I said all this stuff, and you're probably thinking in your head, yeah, thanks, Brett. Science lesson on how I can't do anything about it, right? I'm just perpetually anxious forever because my amygdala are too crazy. But like I said, Max Lucado suggests God can help, and I, I, and I believe that. Philippians 4.4, we throw that up on the screen. Uh, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And so the solution to over... Or perpetual anxiety is rejoicing in the Lord always. And some of you are looking at me and thinking, that's the worst news I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> How am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to rejoice all the time? I don't even rejoice when I should rejoice. You're thinking, I don't, I don't even really like life. How am I supposed to rejoice in the Lord, always, when I'm perpetually anxious, scared, stressed, and depressed. I can't even think of rejoicing once, let alone always. But Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always, not just when things are good, but when things are really bad. And so the point is, if we can get to a place where we can rejoice in the anxiety attack, in our depressed state, in the crisis, in whatever, then we can overcome and counteract and level ourselves back out. Even in the midst of that anxiety attack, rejoice in God's comfort and guiding hand. And you might still be thinking, Brett, how? <laughs> how do I do that? You might even be thinking this, Brett, you don't know what you're talking about. You talk all the time about how you're not perpetually anxious, so why are you talking about anxiety? Because there's been moments in my life that I have been extremely anxious and had, and, and had moments of overwhelming anxiety because of, of different things that have happened, and I've had to decide if I was going to rejoice or not. And we might feel like Joseph sometimes. You guys know the story of Joseph in the Coat of Many Colors, and he gets sold into slavery by his brothers. That'll send you into an anxiety attack. 
your siblings. Like, let's say Caleb, Jacob, and Sarah said, Danny, you're not cutting it, bud. We're selling you into slavery. (laughs) And chain them up, tie them behind a camel, and send them down to 335 instead of 94. And he walks the walk of shame. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) If anybody listens back to this message in like 12 years, they'll have no clue what that was. (laughs) Anyways. But you can't imagine that kind of hatred, right? For those of you that didn't get that, they were, 94 is the store off La, La, in and out off La Paz that they work at. And they're kind, of, it's kind of, they're kind of territorial there. And they talk about how the one that we go to here off Ortega kind of stinks. And so that was, that, that was what that joke was about. Anyways, um, I don't discriminate, man. Just put a beef patty and some cheese together and maybe a bun. And, I'll, you know, I'm good. Um, <laughs> But Joseph goes through that, and then he and then he makes his makes his way to be respected in Potiphar's house, and then and then Potiphar's wife is like, yes, you know, and then he's like, no, and then she's like, you you heard me, lies, and then he goes into jail, and he's like, a prison, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna die, you know, this is terrible. I got sold by my family, I got put into prison for no reason, and then later on he becomes the second command of Egypt, and and gets his family fed and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes we feel like Joseph with our hands tied, walking behind the camel. Why is this happening to me? Anybody ever felt like that? Why is this happening to me? I've thought that in my life. A couple years ago when I broke my leg playing football, which was fun until I broke my leg, and then cracked my ribs, which I didn't know at the time because the adrenaline was pumping here, and I got home, I couldn't breathe. Then I got better, felt better, had surgery. But when I had surgery, they hit a nerve in the back of my leg. My leg pulsed like this for five minutes with a broken ankle. No numbing or anything. I felt the whole thing. Just My leg was just going like this, and it was broken. Just like that. It's disgusting. And then I go into surgery. I get out. I'm having a good time. And then they were like, hey, when do you want to schedule your appointment to get your walking boot? I said, on my birthday, because happy birthday to me. We finna walk again. And uh, so, so I scheduled it on my birthday. And when I, when I went to the appointment, I um, was talking to the doctor. He goes, okay, cool, man. You seem, to, you seem good to go. Is there anything, any questions you have? I said, yeah, my, le- my calf kind of hurts a little bit. Uh, but I don't know. Is that normal or what? And then he, his eyes get all big. And he grabs my calf and he, and he goes like this with his finger. He's like, like, thi- and like this. And he presses it. I was like, oh. <laughs> and he's like, ah. Uh. And then he tells his nurse. He goes, get him, get him appointment to the hospital. We need to get him to the hospital right now. I was like, what? <laughs> Excuse me, sir. This is a Wendy's. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I said, <laughs> no, but he, he said, we need to get him to the hospital right now. I said, what for for what? He's like, I th- I think you have a blood clot. And uh, and he's like in like a big one. And I was like, oh shrimp. And so I. Uh, so, so I was like, okay, we'll 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 go, we'll go. and then so uh, we go, and I have to get like an ultrasound on my leg. So I got an ultrasound before Danielle ever did. Let's go. Um, and that was that was weird when she got the ultrasound for Vince. I was like, that feels funny, doesn't it? And she's like, what are you talking about? Anyways, um, so I get ultrasound on my leg, and there's a there's a blood clot in my 
in the this one right here. <laughs> That's like the size of a dime. And so for a blood clot, it's really big. And so I get put on blood thinners. They work it out where I'm where I'm good. But I talked to the doctor. I was like, hey, so like, what what is that? I don't even I don't even know what a blood clot is. What does that even mean? And he explains, okay, blood clots where your blood clots up to try and help stop the bleeding from something else. And uh, but he goes, sometimes it backfires because you just stop the flow of blood to your body. So he goes, there's a couple of things that could have happened. He goes, usually in a minor blood clot, like you would lose circulation to your leg. But he goes, you're past that. And uh, <laughs> and he said that what would happen now is he goes, if it, what happened is it's big enough, it probably dislodge and then it would get stuck in your either your lungs or your brain um, or your heart. Any of those resulting in you just dropping dead. And I was like, well, what with this size blood clot, what was going on in my leg? I was like, what were the chances you think of that happening? And he was like, uh, like probably 80% chance. And I was like, oh gosh. So then I sat there, I was like crying, I was like crying. I was like, man, like that's a lot. So in that, I was like, how do I rejoice in that? Or when my dad, when I was in high school and my dad brought us into his room and told us, hey, man, you know, I got cancer. But we're going to get through this. It's going to be good. I'm going to start chemotherapy next week. And I was sitting there like, what? And then when my dad's hair starts falling out and we got to shave his head for him, put a beanie on it, like, I was like, what? How am I supposed to rejoice in this? Or in 2020, when my dad pulls me into his office and says, hey, man, it's back. I was like, What? And this one was worse because my, my, my dad, my father, my, the person that I've always gone to for comfort, broke down and cried in my arms like a little kid. And I'm holding my dad in his office like a year and a half ago. <laughs> and he's just weeping. And I'm, how am I, and I'm thinking to myself, just like any of you have thought, how am I supposed to rejoice in this? And he told me, he goes, man, it's, this was when COVID was going crazy. He goes, dude. I'm not dying from COVID, so if they tell me I got to get chemo, I'm not getting chemo. I was like, this is the worst possible time. Luckily, he had radiation for like five weeks and it was fine. He's good. Or the worst one is when we're on a family camping trip and Danielle looks at me and says, something's not right. Her stomach was hurting really bad and cramping up, and she at this point she was pregnant. And we're what, what's going on? We go down the hospital, and five hours later, we find find out that she miscarried, and we lost our uh, first kid. And thinking, and that was the worst one. I was, how do I how do I rejoice in this? The next morning, I get up. That night, Danielle and I just laid in our tent. Just we just cried all night. We didn't sleep a lick. We just cried all night, both of us, just crying, 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 crying all night. And then we get up the next morning, and I walk up, and I think I'm good. I go to breakfast, and I look at everybody, and I start weeping again. I turn like this. I walk away, and I go on this hike. To just, I just I was trying to get lost. I just whatever. And I'm and I'm going on this hike, and just like all the other times, I felt like how am I supposed to rejoice in this? And I start I start getting upset. I start yelling. I start yelling at God. Like, are you kidding me? Like after all I've done. Right, and this is not a righteous prayer, but I said this. After all I've done for you, after all I've served, after, after my whole life has been dedicated. I've done everything that you've asked me to do, and this happens to me. And this happens to Danielle. And then eventually, after I kept walking, I kept going, I'm just weeping, and I realized that I wasn't going to get anywhere with God if I'm just screaming at him. <laughs> 
And so I got down on my knees and I, and I prayed this prayer. And I, and I thought of uh, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So I prayed this prayer. I, sat, I got on my knees. I said, God, you know what? I know you'll get, get us through this. And even if you don't, you're still good. So I rejoiced. And so the whole walk home, I prayed. And somehow we got through it. And my biggest fear through that whole thing, I, I never really told anybody this, but, and this is, we're talking about anxiety. My biggest fear through that whole thing was, was not that we had just lost a kid. That sucked. That was terrible. I was emotional about that. My biggest fear in that whole thing was that I was going to lose Danielle. We had worked year, like four or five years at her overcoming mental health issues and anxiety and depression. And for her to get a miscarriage, I was so mad. I was like, are you kidding me? And I was scared to death. Fear, fear gripped me. I was like, I, I'm going to lose her. She can't handle this. And come to find out, she was stronger than I was. It got me through it. But I was in that moment where fear just grabbed me. And I thought to myself, how am I supposed to rejoice in this? The last thing I wanted to do was rejoice. But when I did, I found peace in the storm. Amen? But we can't help, the reason I tell these stories is not for you to be like, oh gosh, right? The reason I tell these stories is because we can't help but sometimes think, God, do you even hear me? God, do you even know I'm here? God, did you even hear the prayers I pray? Like, God, I didn't even know if I really believed in you, and then I prayed these prayers that you would help me, and then it just seemed like you didn't hear. But this is why we believe in Jesus, and this is why we call ourselves Christians over all the other religions, is because I know that my God isn't dead. And I know that my God is in control of the universe. And I know that my God works all things for good for those who love him. And so if I'm going to go through anything, everybody's going to go through something in life. It's just how it is. But I know that if I'm going to go through it, I can get through it with God. Hebrews 1.3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God. And the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds or sustains the universe by the word of his power. And this word upholds in the original Greek uh, means carrying or bringing. As seen in Luke 15 when the, when the, when the friends carried their, their, their buddy to get dropped down into where Jesus was so that he, they could heal him, right? Or in John 2.8 when, uh, when they brought wine to the master of the wedding. So that's, it's the same word. And so... To say that Jesus upholds or sustains the universe is to say that he's carrying it or bringing it to a certain place. Meaning that he has a plan. He's not just holding it and hoping that everything goes fine. He's directing the universe. Moving it towards a certain aim. And the present tense upholds, or it says, and he upholds the universe, means that it's a continuous work. Amen? God is constantly working things out for good for those who love him. Colossians 1.17 says, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And Acts 17.28, 17.28, In him, 17.38, but whatever. In him we move and live and have our being. And Psalms 104.14-15 through 15 says, You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants 
for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen a man's heart. So I trust that God's going to work it out. When I was sitting there out in the wilderness wondering why this was happening to me, I got to a moment where I trusted God was going to work it out. Why? Because I knew he was the one that was in control of the universe. I knew that he was the one that was in control of everything that was happening inside of Daniel's body at the moment. I knew that he was the one that was going to be holding our kid and taking care of him up in heaven. Right? I knew that God was the one who was going to be in control. I knew that God had my dad in the palm of his hands and that he, wasn't going, to, that, that he was going to be okay. Right? And, and I knew that God had me. Even though I had a blood clot in my leg, I was like, we're good. I'm not going to die. God's got me, you know? But I sometimes still can't help, and I know some of you can't help but think this. Why does evil even exist? Why do bad things happen to good people? Anybody ever thought that? Why does the world have to suck? <laughs> You're like, oh, Brett's getting real. Why does the world suck? Why does it keep happening to me? But the thing is, God has to allow evil to exist so that we can understand how vast his goodness is. A fish doesn't know how much they want water until you pull them out of it. I don't know how much I want God's goodness until I feel the despair in the, of the fallen world that we live in. The darkest, saddest, maybe most gruesome and evil day in all of history allowed for Jesus to fulfill the law and wipe our sins away. Talk about, a, talk about going through a storm. Jesus got crucified. <laughs> and you know what's the crazy thing about this? And this is why, this is the, and I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up, but this is the main reason that I know God can take care of our anxiety. And I know God's going to get us through it. And those of you that I've talked to that I know that you're going through it right now, I, I, I just, I know that God's going to get us through this. And you're going to be able to grab anxiety by the throat and say, get off me, right? This is why. Do you know what a, we wear, we wear crosses around our necks. Like Jackson, stand up. You got a cross around your neck right now. Show everybody. Look at that. Drip. Drip never takes a back seat. But we wear crosses around our necks. Do you know what crosses signify? You know what, back in the day, if we would have, if in Jesus' times, if you wore a cross around your neck, you know what that'd mean? That'd be like us wearing an electric chair around our neck. Like you rolling up drippy with a guillotine on your throat. What's up, fam? Like you wearing a noose on your neck, rolling up to school. Your teachers would lose their mind. But we wear crosses on our neck. Why? Because even the most gruesome death, even the, the thing that represents what all those other things represent, Jesus grabbed a hold of that and turned it to a beacon of hope. Something that was supposed to mean this is how we execute people. We wear, we wear around our necks and tell people, this is how you find eternal life. It's the biggest 180 I've ever seen in my life. This is how you kill people that you hate. You hang them on a cross, and they suffocate to death, and then you stab them in the side and throw, throw salt on their wounds, all this kind of stuff. Oh, what? Oh, yeah, this is how it happened. And Jesus takes that symbol of a cross and says, this is what will remind you of my goodness. 
This is what will remind you of eternal life. And if God can do that, he can turn your bad day into a good day. And like we said a couple weeks ago, if God can do that, then our biggest issue is just a sprained ankle to him. And he's telling us, hey, you're going to be okay. I can flip this around. Amen? Max Lucado says, we can wear our hurt or we can wear our hope. And so here's the thing I want to say. This is how I'm going to wrap it up. And this is a kind of a sobering truth. In the fight against anxiety, it's not something that God is going to swoop in and be your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and save your life from anxiety. You have to make a choice. You have to decide that I'm getting past this. And I'm not going to wear my hurt any longer. I'm going to wear hope. I'm going to wear hope in Jesus that he saves, that he died on the cross for my sins, and that I'm going to live forever with him. And I'm going to believe that God is holding the universe in the palm of his hands, and there's hope that he's going to work it out for me in my life. But you have to make a choice. God doesn't save you against your own will. You have to say, all right, you know what? I've had enough. (laughs) Take this, Jesus. It's our choice. Rejoicing in the Lord always rightly separates our circumstance from the view of God. When I rejoice in the storm, it's not because the storm isn't there. It's because I know the person who created those wind, the wind and the waves. The, thing, the very thing that seems like it's going to come and get me, I know the creator of those things. And I know that at, at his word, they can cease. I rejoice not because I know I'll never go through anything hard. But I rejoice because I know everybody goes through things that are hard, but I go through it with God, and so he's going to get me through it. I'm no longer scared of that storm because I know the creator of the wind and the waves. Amen? So the only thing I want you to remember from today's message is rejoice in the Lord always. In the middle of your panic attack, in the middle of you in the room, in your room by yourself, contemplating if you're going to make it or not. Rejoice. Of you hearing the worst news you've ever heard in your life, rejoice. The only reason I could say that is because I've been there. And if you rejoice, you make it out. And if you don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you can. Amen? So God is good no matter what our circumstances are, and he's going to get us through it. And so our mandate to get through this, we've talked about it over the last couple of weeks. We've got to have more faith. We've got to trust that God is sovereign. He's got it in the palm of his hands. We hand him control. We've got to trust last week that our guilt and our shame aren't going to overcome us, and his grace and mercy is bigger than that. And this week we've got to rejoice in him always. Amen? I'm not going to have a crazy altar call, but I do want to do this. Why don't we close our eyes real quick? I kind of like that there's no music and there's no, like, emotional appeal to respond to this. It's just raw. <laughs> but I just want you to raise your hand if, if anxiety has crippled you in the last year at some point. 
No looking around, just just it's just you and God. And now I want you to raise your hand even higher if you're going to trust God that he can get you through those moments moving forward. And I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Jesus, you see these hands, you see these these children of yours that you love so deeply who have dealt with anxiety and stress and depression and the things that you you hate, the things that you don't like to see in us and the things that you wish that wouldn't haunt us. And so, God, I just thank you that you are in control. God, I thank you that you're good. I thank you that the storm that seems to be overcoming us, that you are the creator of those wind, the winds and the waves. God, and I, and I just know that you can calm that in our lives, God. And so, God, help us to rejoice in you. Not because our circumstance is good, but because you are good. God, help us to know that you've got it all figured out, that you're not surprised by the things that surprise us, and that most of the time, the thing that we think is going to end us is just a sprained ankle to you. So we give you praise. We thank you in advance for helping us overcome these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.